When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. What's going on? Oh my gosh, it's been quite a week, actually. We're busy, busy. Oh, remember? Do you remember what it was like to be busy? (laughs) I know, right? Things like, uh, you know, stall for so long and then it's like 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's been quite a busy week. A week ago, let's see, I went, this is, I was just thinking about all the stuff I did this week. I went to the Scream 25th anniversary showing on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I watched the new Chucky, the debut of the Chucky television series. Okay. We had, we had American Horror Story night. And then I did an all day like horror hang with A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Silence of the Lambs, and then Halloween Kills. So it's been like, wow, a full on horror week. You did it all. Yeah, not to mention taking care of all my classwork and uh, going to school. Uh, What a hardship. I know, right? We still haven't put up hardly any decorations, but we, you know, have been watching lots of movies. (laughs) Well, that's good. Good for you. Yeah, it was a good time. The Scream 25th anniversary was really fun. I was disappointed that they didn't put the trailer. I mean, it would have made sense to put the trailer for the new Scream, Scream five uh ostensibly you know with that but they didn't but it was still fun to go and see the film in the theater because i'd never done that before Uh, i've never Mm -hmm. seen scream on the big screen so that was fun were there a lot was there a lot of laughter yeah i mean it was packed like the theater was full Um, really yeah which was fun so you know it, it was a good time like watching it with other people. And yeah, of course there was laughter and, you know, I mean, it's a funny movie. It's darkly humorous. So it was, it was really fun. And, and uh, even though it's like, you know, the film came out in 96, you know, 25 years we're celebrating, obviously a lot of people in the room had seen it. There were lots of scream t-shirts, scream masks, you know, ghost face masks and all of that. It was very much like, uh, you know, there was a fan base there, but still, you know, they jumped and screamed and laughed at all, like, you know, the places that they probably, you know, and me too, you know, even though I've seen it a million times, it was, it, it is a different experience to see it in the theater. Uh, the only downside was because it was so busy, uh, you know, there were people sitting right next to me. There was like this couple and they were annoying as fuck. Like I just kept wishing <laughs> they would leave. Like they were talking to each other. They kept, they were like making out I think they were doing other things. And I'm like, you know, I'm sitting right. I mean, they were like right against me, you know, like his leg kept bumping me and stuff. And I'm just like, you fucking like straight people. You're not okay. Like you don't need to do this here. You could have stayed out in your car. You can go somewhere else. And so, yeah, for some reason they did decide, I mean, maybe it was me just willing it, but I kept sitting there and being like, I wish you would just fucking leave. Just realize like you want to be in a private space maybe and go there away from me. Uh, they got up about two thirds away, you know, in the movie and left and never came back. And I was very happy so that I could enjoy the final act. Like just like, you know, the kind of the, the third act of the film starts when they get to Stu Mocker's house for the party. That's when they decide to leave when everything's going to get really, you know, when everything goes off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very happy that they left. (laughs) What were they they talking about the film or were they just talking? And it was that kind of talking where like, she was whispering a lot to him, but like whisper talking. So it wasn't like, it's like I could hear them, but I couldn't understand what they were saying. 
Oh, like a stage you know? whisper? Like, yeah. hello, what's going on? Yeah, it was just gross. It was just really gross. So it just, it was really kind of like, this is not the, this is not the tea. You could have stayed home and watched this movie for free, you know, in your bedroom or something together. You didn't need to bring all of this mess out in public, you know, for the rest of us. Do you think that like this. something about the film just really got her going, really got them going about it? I, I mean, mean, they was like right away. You know, because first they got there and they were kind of complaining because of where the seats were. And they're like, well, let's just move down. I'm like, you can't like this is all sold out. I was like, all of those seats are this whole row is taken. So whatever. Uh, They're complaining about they they chose those seats. The fact that people complain about their seats and they're the ones who chose them, first of all. Well, and the seats were already sold because when I bought my seat, the two seats next to me were empty, but the rest of the row was already sold out. So mm. when they chose the seats, they could obviously see, but they were like, oh, we're going to go sit in the middle. I'm like, okay, well, you're probably going to have to move, but I don't care. Whatever, you know, do you. Uh, that's a conversation that I'm not going to have. You can have that with whoever actually bought the seats. But, you know, they sat down next in the seats they actually bought next to me. And like right away, they, the whole time, they were just making out and talking and that like, you know, it was just gross. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to stab you. <laughs> It's going to be and, that I mean, scene. You know, from... I've seen the movie, but it's like, I'd never seen it that way. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it was just annoying more than anything. Like, you know, good for you. It's cute. It's, you know, the whole premise of horror, like making lovers cling closer in the dark. Love it. You know, it's adorable. But it was also like, we are in fucking public. Like, take this somewhere else. Rude. You, you were going to do, you were going to do them the way that they did Brenda in Scary Movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You want candid camera. <laughs> I got you on camera. Yeah. Or like uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Scream 2. Which you've not which seen yet, I don't think. I have not so, seen yet, yeah. but I know Well, we'll do that happen. soon. I think with the, now, with the 25th anniversary coming out, I think it comes out tomorrow, the Steelbook, and like the whole new release of it, mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday. Uh, it should be out. So, yeah, maybe this will be a good time. Maybe, maybe sometime in November... We'll do Scream 2. I know we have a couple people wanting to do... It's so... Uh, like, you know, we're so lucky that people want to talk about movies, but then they all want to talk about the same movie. And it's like, I feel bad. Like, I have to give... The, mm-hmm. Like, I have to give the candy bar to one of the kids, but not all the kids, you yeah. know? My favorite... Uh, this is such a call-out, but you know what? Whatever, come for me. My favorite is when people who like we who who are like oh i would you guys should definitely do this movie and it's like well we've already done that like two years oh, ago yeah. so <laughs> you obviously don't listen to the show <laughs> well you Which know it's funny oh go, no, ahead. go ahead go ahead, go no, ahead. I, i've been talking enough i will i, I let me give the floor <laughs> You, I, I'm reclaiming my time. Um, yeah, it's just to me, it's just like, well, you know, no offense, but we have done that. So you just expose yourself. You just hold on yourself that you don't listen to the show, but it's fine. You don't have to listen to the show, but you know, like, um, yeah, it's just like, oh, you're like, oh, yeah, you guys should do The Exorcist. I'm like, yeah, season one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I was thinking like now that we have actually figured out, we know that it, it's coming up our our five year anniversary. We started Halloween twenty sixteen. We have we looked back like because we don't even listen to our own show. Apparently, we have no idea how long we've been doing it or when we started. Uh, but we have pinned it down that we will be celebrating five years. And I think at this point, we probably can revisit some films. Uh, you know, especially with new perspectives from people who want to. Maybe it would be okay. Uh, you know. I don't know. I mean, we're not desperate for content, certainly. There's so much horror out there. Every time I turn around, there's more stuff. Or I'm like, oh, right, that movie. We could totally talk about that. So it's like I have at least content, you know, planned and thought of for, you know, another year. So (laughs) we we just keep on trucking. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes when people bring something up, it's like, well, what might they they bring to the table? You know, I mean, it was us talking Mm -hmm. about five years ago some things now that you have more of a perspective on certain films uh you know which is why i like doing like what we're doing with this uh series doing this folk horror stuff because i feel like i mean you saw midsommar before you saw the wicker man but now you probably kind of see those echoes um or like in this film that we watched today um apostle you know you probably see that connection to the wicker man and the even further like connection to blood on satan's claw uh 
you know, so I don't know. Sometimes like our own perspectives have sort of changed over the years. So maybe we could revisit something, but you know what, again, that's, this is production talk that people don't care about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was the scream uh, screening. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Uh, Chucky was also fun. Uh, I am curious where the season will go. Uh, you didn't watch it, right? It's in my queue. Okay. All right. Um, so I have it. Um, I have it queued up and recorded uh, for me to watch, but. Yeah, maybe let a couple episodes go and then watch it. it might be, it might. That's be what I'm doing right now because I I like to do that with you know shows that are live. I like to give it like the first few and then just have a bunch to like binge in an evening and then you know live my life for three weeks and then binge more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I mean anymore. It's kind of how you have to do it because we're so damn busy, so much going on, so much happening. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ends the mans. Uh, let's see the hangout with the, my friends um, and our friends. We have mutual friends uh, with um, a Nightmare on Elm Street, which was the first, and the Silence of the Lambs were both the first time that they had each seen those movies. So that was kind of cool. You know, it's always fun to be in the room with people that are like, "Oh God, oh God." <laughs> see, joke, uh, joke that noise. was. That was so fun. That 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 must have been so fun. Plus, there's season one, their original Fright School movies. It would have yeah. been. Did you record anything on your phone? We can put <laughs> no. mine for content later. But no. But I mean, I would totally be down to have both of those people on. You know, to discuss uh, horror. Uh, the one, our friend, he's on like his own journey of horror. You know, he's not. He's like watching all these classic films, stuff he's never seen before. So he's like Joe season one. Yeah, he he told me that he really loves um and we're not saying his name because we haven't been given permission. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah. so this I I I know I hate it when people say that too, but like he 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 told me that he actually really loves the genre and so now with like returning to with coming to American Horror Story every week and all that he's kind of like diving in a lot more. Nice. Yeah, which is which is great. What, what I was the discussion? Put up a giant list of stuff. He's like, I've never seen any of these, and it was all. I mean, it was all stuff right out of our like first and second seasons. I'm like, yeah, I own all of those movies. We could totally hang out and watch all of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the discussion like after seeing Science of the Lambs? Well, my friend, she had read just read the novel. She read Red Dragon, and then she read The Silence of the Lambs, and so that was the Red plan. Dragon is technically first. Is it is correct? the first book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she, when she said she was reading it and then she was like, Oh, and I've never seen the movie. I'm like, Oh, can we please like, when you finish it, let's like watch the movie together. So there was like some like conversation, like during the film, just talking about the differences in the book. Uh, but also like just the, um, a lot of it, that's the same. I mean, it's a really well adapted, uh, film. Yeah, as we've mm-hmm. discussed on the show before, like, it's just, you know, they kind of took the book and boom, you know, they had a manuscript, they or they had a, 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 screen, a script, a screenplay <clears throat> outside of minor changes and, you know, just kind of thinning it out a little bit. But we, um, that's probably a bad pun. That's bad wording. <laughs> but anyways, the, I mean, I, I, she enjoyed it, you know, thought it was a really good movie. Uh, you know, we just kind of, we did kind of just talk throughout the film about it, you know, that yeah, well, that serious, makes serious, it... serious conversation, especially because yeah. we finished it like around eight 30 and then I wanted to get into Halloween kills and, you know, it's like these days we're asleep at like nine. So it's like, we have to get, mm-hmm. we have to get to the next film. So we didn't have too much time. So I am hoping to catch up with her again about it. Uh, you know, now that she's had like time to process it and, you know, kind of put the film into her brain, so to speak. I'm really looking forward to um, doing a little bit of your marathon, your Halloween marathon on Halloween day. Yeah. It's going to be fun. That time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you show up, uh, Joe Flaker and flaky flake, flaky Joe. <laughs> uh, I know. I feel so become, bad. I've become a flake. I've become a are. snowflake. You're a flake. Um, Dealer, you've always been a flake. If you insist on frightening people, do it with your sculpture. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
No, I'm teasing. You you always have good reasons to flake. Uh, well, I mean, good reasons to normal people like family bullshit and you know you want to see your boyfriend Ugh, gross uh, <laughs> uh but it was fun i i'm looking forward to seeing what you think of halloween kills if you watch it i don't know what part when you say like part of the marathon it's like when are you coming like are you just gonna are you just coming for a halloween h2o and then you're leaving <laughs> no i'm coming i i think i'm gonna come for hollow i'm gonna start with halloween h2o so that way i can be there also when you do um the little interlude with Chelsea for Chelsea's picks. Oh and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then I want to watch the Canon again. So, oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That's probably, that'll be, that'll be a fun, uh, that'd be a fun watch. Maybe next year I'll do like the worst. We'll watch like, <laughs> I'll let everybody, maybe everybody can vote on which Halloween movies they think are the worst ones. And then we'll just watch those. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to torture myself or others with that. <laughs> uh, it was fun to post the, you know, cause I shared the timeline in like the invite and on like Facebook, like just so people understand just how convoluted like the Halloween franchise is. <laughs> this is why I'm kind of doing it the way I'm doing it. So, you know, cause people that might look at it go, what the fuck, what, why are you doing it this way? You know, but it's like, I felt like I needed to explain and show cause like casual horror fans or people that maybe have seen some of the movies or know who Michael Myers is, maybe don't realize like how much, you know, the, uh, the franchise has changed and shifted through the years that it's a, mm -hmm. you know, it's a choose your own adventure book now. <laughs> it's like, which way do you want to get? It's the multiverse, you know, yeah. in the, it's the Halloween cinematic universe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm more, I'm mostly bummed you weren't able to make it just because then we could have talked more about it on today's show, but instead we'll have to save mm. it. Uh, I will just suffice to say that, um, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was gory. There's like a queer couple in it that I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like Jeffrey and I, um, <laughs> in a way, some of the stuff that they do and say, uh, is I'm just like, Oh, this is hilarious. And also that it does, it very much feels like the middle part of the story. Okay. You know? So I, I'd say you don't, you know, I mean, I feel like Halloween, the first one they made in 2018 could have been, it's like a state, like could have been on its own. Maybe, you know, if they didn't want to make any others, they just wanted to like leave it open-ended that they burn the house down and we can all just say, Hey, Michael Myers burned to death. And they went on with their lives. Uh, it, that, you know, it, it, I, I felt it was a complete thought in and of itself. This one definitely feels, uh, like the middle, you know? So, uh, I don't think it feels like a complete thought, from yeah, that's the thing about that's the thing about like the immediate sequel in a trilogy because yeah. it's always gonna like Empire Strikes Back. That's my least favorite movie because yeah. it feels like you now I have to wait. Um, yeah, yeah this my feels very much like oh fuck, I gotta wait a whole another year to finish this. <laughs> so my prediction is in Halloween Ends, which is the third film, they're gonna take the mask off and it's gonna be John Carpenter. Ooh. Should we put money on that? <laughs> let's 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 put money on that. Let's Vegas odds. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> She's gonna take the mask off, and it's Malika Cod. Ah, there we go. Yeah, the whole time fucking with yeah. her contract. Yeah, or or it's or it's her husband. It's Christopher Guest. <laughs> it's just even better. You know, why hasn't Christopher Guest ever made, like, a horror... I think that would be really fucking funny if he took on, like, a horror, like, mockumentary. I think that'd be delightful. Like, Especially people, like, in a house. You know they have a thing where they don't work together, and that's, like, what's made mm -hmm. their relationship successful? Because they've been together since the 80s, right? Something yeah. like that. Um, you know, it's, that's a really long-lasting relationship. Uh, and, yeah, so I know that she's commented before that they just, they don't work together. But I think that'd be kind of fun. Like, I mean, I'm sure with Jamie behind it, like they could get anybody, you know, any horror. Like, I mean, it would just be really funny to get like tons of like horror cameos and people and just do something really silly. I think could be fun through Christopher Guest's lens. But it could be like it, it could be like a documentary about the making of a film like Halloween. And yeah, it's all the like older that. folks. Yeah, I think that could be really fun. 
Uh, that was definitely a thing. This is why I'm glad that uh, hopefully the people who come will watch all three of the movies, the 78, the, the 2018, and Halloween Kills, because there are some really cool moments in Halloween Kills uh, that kind of recreate events or like events in the immediate aftermath of the original Halloween that are not part of Halloween two, but kind of part of this new Canon. They also are bringing back actors at, you know, from the original film, which is also really cool because that kind of echoes back. We were watching that, um, interview with Jamie Lee Curtis when they made Halloween H2O because she was like in awe of the fact that after 20 years many of the people that had made the film and were involved in the film had gone on to continue working and were bigger stars than they were then of course and you know that they were alive and they could all get together and make this movie well that's kind of still a little true for you know Halloween um, you know this 40 years later now uh, even though I mean I know Deborah Hill is gone but you know one of the the co-writers but majority of a lot of the people that they are alive and could come in and like do cameos in this film. And that was really cool. So I do feel like there's some fan service, which is nice in that, in that way. So I, I have you watched um, the movies that made us? Not Netflix. yet. I did see that they did a horror one, or at least I know Jamie Lee Curtis was involved. So yeah, they did. I watched the one for Halloween. Yeah. Um, and it's a really cool, fascinating story. Like I would love there to be like a, like a movie like disaster artists. Like it's a movie about making a movie. I yeah. would love to see that with this because it just looked like they had so much fun making it. I should watch that. Maybe I'll watch that today before. Um, Cause we're going to, uh, we're going to not scary farm tonight. I'm so excited. We haven't been able to go and you know, this is like two years obviously with, uh, with, with, with COVID. Mm -hmm. I love that for you. I love that for you. Yeah. So, but I'll have a little bit of time after, after today's recording. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put that on. That'll be a nice watch. Mm. Thank you, Joe. Uh, the other thing, because it's all about me, uh, that I that I did this week, uh, that I want to just pump. So for our for our literary listeners, you know, who enjoy reading, I had picked up this book a couple months ago, Rovers by Richard Lang. I'm not sure if I talked to you about it, but Stephen King, I saw him quoted somewhere saying that he thought it was one of the best vampire books he'd read since uh, Let the Right One In. Mm. Uh, which for me is like very high up there. I mean, that's one of my favorite vampire novels with... Uh, uh, Lost, um, Lost Souls by Poppy Z. Bright, uh, you know. Um, so I thought, man, that's pretty high praise. So I picked it up thinking like, wow, well, I'm going to read it. And then, of course, it sat around for a couple months because that's how it is with my gigantic uh, to-be-read pile. Mm-hmm. But uh, I picked it up yesterday and decided to start reading it because I finished uh, this book called See No Stranger by Valerie Cower for my Resistance Book Club that I'm in, which, you know, yeah. you know all about. <laughs> And so after that, after, you know, I, I come home and I like, was just like, Oh, I have some time to kill. I'm, I think I'm going to read the first couple pages in it. Cause I needed a new, like a horror book. I haven't really read, you know, anything really scary this month mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. new. And, uh, I started reading it and like all of a sudden I'd read 35 pages so fast. And then, uh, right now I'm at 154. I'm just like devouring it. Like, you know, pun intended. It's, really a cool book that I just want to kind of put out there for listeners. If you haven't heard about it, uh, this guy, Richard Lang, I guess he writes mostly like kind of crime fiction. So this was sort of a departure for him to do this like vampire novel, but it's like, it was also described as like of mice and men meets the lost boys. Uh, okay. Which I thought was kind of cool. It's set in 1976, but obviously it flashes back to, you know, different points in the past. Cause you know, some of the vampires in it are, you know, hundred well, rovers, they're called rovers. Um, you know, so it's kind of, it has four different points of view that, which I also really like. It's the, they're two brothers and uh, the one brother was turned first and then came and turned his, his uh, younger brother uh, later in life who had aged to be older than him. So that's kind of cool, you know, kind of a neat story device, but the brothers kind of like Lenny from of mice and men, you know, they keep calling him simple minded and such. Um, so we have the perspective of Jesse. That's the one brother. And then the other brother, Edgar, you get his perspective, which is really interesting, like chapters from his point of view as this sort of like simple minded hundred year old vampire. It's just Mm -hmm. weird. It's something I've never really read before. Um, simple-minded in their terms. Uh, he has some sort of mental, um, they haven't really gotten into it 
again, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're hun- they're like, you know, a hundred years old. So it could just be that he's kind of just a, kind of like a farm boy from that time who just, you know, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. They, they haven't really clarified, but anyway, so there's those points of view. And then there's a the point of view of a father who is hunting for somebody who killed his son, who you know, obviously mm-hmm. it's these vampires, somebody, some of these vampires might've done it. That's kind of part of the mystery. And then the other, um, part of the book is about this like roving band. Uh, they're like a motorcycle gang of vampires, which I really love. And it's just a really cool book. And I just, I haven't been able to put it down. Like even today, I wanted to like call you and be like, let's just cancel today. Cause I'm reading this book. It's really good. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be interrupted. <laughs> Since I can't put it down. It's just, it's really good. So I just want to throw it out there. It's a really fun vampire read. It's creepy. It's, got stuff going on in it that I that I personally have not read in vampire fiction. I've seen it. It reminds me it's like it is sort of like of Mice and Men definitely has that element. Um mm-hmm. you know especially like some of the dust bowl stuff of their memories. It's um you know got a little bit of that Lost Boys element, a little bit of like From Dust Till Dawn, Near Dark. Definitely it feels a lot like Near Dark. Uh yeah. So I'm just enjoying that. I wanted to throw that out there for our friends who want to read read so that's why our episode is ending film. now. So Joshua can go and read the rest of Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there because it's very fun. Obviously the other big book news this week for me was the book of magic by Alice Hoffman came out, which is the sequel to practical magic, which was published 26 years ago. So we're finally getting a sequel after two prequels. I've been very happy about that. I've been waiting. I first read practical magic when I was 18. So for mm-hmm. me, it's been 18 years waiting for this sequel. And uh, that book, I'm trying to go slow. I've read the first 10 pages, but it's like, I'm trying to savor it. I'm trying not to like read it too fast because it's like I waited so long to revisit these characters. So, you know, just trying to take my time. So, Joe, we got a few minutes left in the beginning. What have you been up to? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, nothing, nothing really. I mean, just uh, I... um, I'm not, I've not been able to make it to American Horror Story viewing, so I've been catching up on my own. Um, nice. I think that uh, I really kind of wish that they had just a couple more episodes um, for uh, this, uh, for the Death Valley of it all. Um, just because I, I want there to be a little bit more... <laughs> I want there to be a little bit more with the with a with that part of the story. Yeah. Um but other than that, no, it's just been, you know, hanging out with family, hanging out with Jimmy Kins, hanging out with uh um you know, just working, you know, making this new job work and seeing how it's going and stuff. So uh very excited to get to the tail end of October because I feel like that's when all the spooky will uh will ramp up. Yeah. Awesome. It, it's it been weird. It just hasn't like, I don't know if it's just like because of COVID and everything else that's going on. Like it just, it hasn't really felt a hundred percent again, you know, like, like last year it felt a little empty, obviously like Halloween just didn't feel like it normally does. And this year it's kind of, I feel it's a little bit of the same. Like I'm not seeing, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just not because I'm in class so much that maybe I'm just not out in the world, but it does feel a little less like, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, you know, of like, it just doesn't feel as spooky season ish as it could. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping by next year, it'll feel more like a return to normal, but I still feel like there's still a lot of reticence, obviously, because we're still in the pandemic. I mean, uh, you know, again, like not to like shame people, like definitely people should still be, you know, being mindful, but it's like, it would be nice to get out of this. Cause I just, yeah, I still feel like there's a little reticence to go out and to do things and, you know, even though I was just at a, like a packed movie house for Scream. <laughs> well, how about this? Yeah. Well, let, let me offer this interpretation of your feelings. Um, what if it? Um, what if the world has caught up to how spooky you are for most of the year? That now <laughs> it's just reached this kind of equilibrium of you don't feel it's scary season because now everything is caught up to how scary you usually are. So it just uh, looks normal to you. That's a good, you know, Hey, that's a good, there's a stasis shift. there. That's nice, Joe. That's really nice. Look at you. Are, do you want to be a therapist? Maybe you should join <laughs> me. 
yeah. And again, yeah. I think it's just because we're so busy. Like, I mean, I think if I had decorated and stuff more, I would probably feel more in tune with it all. So yeah, yeah maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just, it is a perspective. I just need to shift it out. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for that, Dr. Doctor. You're welcome. Do you receive Joe? that? <laughs> I do. They should give you a, a Oprah-sponsored talk show. Oh no, please! <laughs> no, I don't think I. I don't think I've committed enough crimes against humanity to get one of those. Ah, there we go. I like it. Delightful. All right. Well, we'll be right back to discuss uh, Apostle. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work well we can help you with that also you can check out our website at we for more information we're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality all right welcome back so we are this week discussing apostle 2018 this is a netflix film right it wasn't just streaming on it it's actually like produced or distributed by netflix huh yeah, yes. Produced by XYZ Film, Severn Screen, One More, One Productions, but yeah, distributed by Netflix. Uh, you know, continue our folk horror journey here this week. Um, yeah, this is kind of like, again, very much sounds a little like the plot of The Wicker Man, you know, this uh, dude, this British man, uh, Thomas is traveling to this remote Welsh island to rescue his sister, who's been, like, rans- is being ransomed. She was, like, kidnapped and is being ransomed by the, this this uh, uh, these islanders. And, of course, because, you know, what else do people on islands do, especially white people on Welsh islands? You know, they're, they have a cult. They're, they're a big old cult. And he has kind of wandered into the midst of them as uh, pretending to be, a, like, a convert to them. Uh, but obviously he wants to save his sister and, uh, you know, hilarity ensues. Hashtag. <laughs> uh, Joe, what did, what did you think of Apostle? <laughs> this movie was fucked up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this True. movie was very fucked up. There were parts where, so, you know, there are parts where I'm watching this where I'm like, is this is this the new inside? <laughs> is this the new inside? Um, but I ultimately, I, I, I don't know. I, it was it was a lot for me, and I was like kind of wincing and cringing at the violence, which you know is not is not. I I, I mean I think I'm okay with like slashery type violence but this was just a very kind of like cruel and intimate violence which I'm I'm starting to see it seems to be a um the the intimacy of the violence seems to be something that uh is in a lot of these folk horror films um because it's dealing you know I, I the theme that I keep walking away with is that it's dealing with the the kind of cruelty and violence of belief um, and so it has no choice but to elicit those types of feelings in, in, in me. But yeah, it was, um, it was a very strange film uh, to watch. Um, I, I'm still trying to decide if I liked it or not. Um, so yeah, but it, it was, it was very strange and it was, it was a lot. And yeah, I also couldn't like, because like the whole, the full core that we've watched so far are these slow burns, right? right? You know, they're very slow. And this one was more manic and it was like, especially because the way that Dan Stevens played, um, played Thomas was just like this very manic, <laughs> um, character. And like, you know, the, the accent was a little histrionic and overwrought, but like, I also felt that, that was part of the intensity of him. 
So it was it was interesting because I was I was like, okay, it's a two hour film. It's gonna be I'm like I was settling in for like a slow burn. And it didn't feel that way most of the film. It felt very it was moving and it was like there were moments where you're on the edge of your seat. Like kind of like hereditary almost. Like because hereditary wasn't it was a slow burn in some places, but it was it was unnerving for most of it. So yeah yeah there's a real sense of dread that's palpable in that film that's also i think present here yeah yeah and it is it is different like than um you know the wicker man i think this has a little bit more in common with like the witch you know when we yes that Mm -hmm. uh it's a little darker in tone uh you know the conversation is not exactly the same because in like the wicker man obviously like um, Howie comes to the island, you know, in search of this missing child, you know, who mm-hmm. may be murdered or whatnot. And he's like very staunchly a man of faith, but he's very like self-denying and, you know, kind of in this space of like puritanical kind of behavior. Uh, I, I mean, I know he's Catholic, so obviously there's that, you know, kind of you know suffering, <laughs> you know, this sort of like, you know, damn, we have to, I'm going to suffer till I die so I can Mm -hmm. have like, Mm -hmm. you know, my heaven. And he's met with these villagers who are like, they're joyful. Like they are having a good time because they are fucking everything and they are dancing with everything. And, you know, they are just ecstatic, like people, you know, so like that, there's like that tension of his like, you know, uh, very buttoned up, kind of life philosophies mix, you know, kind of clashing against this like joyous sort of celebratory uh, kind of faith, even though it's rooted in human sacrifice. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As is his, I mean, as is like the Catholic, you know, as is Mm -hmm. Christianity, you know. um, It's definitely rooted in like a corporal sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you kind of have that story there. So here it's like, he's coming, Thomas is coming as we learned throughout the film with a, uh, in a crisis of faith, he's like abandoned his faith after being like tortured. In what was mm-hmm. the that like he was there to? He was like a missionary. So, um, um, can we talk about that for a little bit? So he was yeah. he. It sounds like he was a priest, um, yeah. and he was a missionary in China in Peking. Yeah, um, yeah. during the Boxer that, Rebellion. There during the Boxer know. Rebellion, yeah. and so this was 1899 to 1901. Anti-imperialist uprising in China. Anti-foreign, anti-Christian. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, just so give some so, foundation. So on that, right? Like, I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't really feel sorry for him because I was like, oh, you colonizer religion. <laughs> You know, like I, I, I was not like remotely sorry for the pain that was inflicted on essentially a colonizer, <laughs> because that's the other thing too about like the people who bring the the people who bring the gospel are also people who are the agents of imperialism. Like historically, I know it is with my ancestors. I know it is with you know many ancestors, and so to to see like this, I was just like, yeah, that was a terrible thing that happened to you, but. It also, like, you should have known better. Like, I, I think they could have done a little... I, I think what they wanted to communicate was the fact that he was, like, a true believer. Like, he really felt that he was going there to spread God's love. Yeah. But at the same time, like, those people weren't asking for it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It is, is it, not in the same most, way. Like... No, go ahead. Oh yeah, no. I was gonna say is this is the case of most missionary missions. It's not that people are um, or mission trips. You know, it's not that the people there are like begging for Jesus to come. It's people going, we have to go over there and like make sure these people know Jesus if it kills them. You know, yeah. <laughs> Which is the exact opposite of like this the faith of the prophet Malcolm, right? Like this faith of the goddess because they have to go there if they want it. Like they're not, you know, they're, they're holding prayer meetings and things like that, but like, they are not like, there's no active proselytization as there is with like organized Christianity at this time. Like, yeah. Like he was, he was reaping, he he basically got caught up in the, you know, the, the like, uh, 
being seen as like this imperializer, this colonizer, threatening a way of life in the same way that like you know he, it it, it was interesting. Yeah, Thomas. Thomas, when yeah, he was still a priest. Yes, when he was or still a priest, and so whatever it was, he was. So when when that was revealed to be like the the thing, like the the rub of like his existence and why people thought he was dead and stuff, um, I was just like, oh, that's so strange. Like I also felt like didn't really feel sorry for him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, of course, I mean, you know, we're not. I don't even know if we're like meant to. I mean, it's, I mean, it's supposed to be like that. Obviously he survived this like horrifying event that no matter where he was coming from, it's obviously, you know, a terrible thing to happen, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know, on a body. Uh, That was actually one of the most beautiful scenes. I actually wrote it down because again, it also echoed the wicker man, you know, cause you had that big cross burning and as, and it collapsed, Mm -hmm. you know, as they burned, like as they seared, branded him with like a cross, I was like, Mm -hmm wow, this is gorgeous. Like just the composition of that sequence was really beautiful. Uh, And also again, really echoed the wicker man in that, you know, in that sort of the the falling of the, of the head of the wicker man at the end of it and the sun coming up and this, like in the darkness as the, you know, it was just like, Whoa, Whoa, that was intense. Like I was just like glued to that like moment because it was beautiful. Um, But yeah, that's, it is sort of interesting. So like they, to take so Malcolm Quinn and Frank f- sort of founded this island. I think they're they're like cr- they were criminals. It's very it's they're like convicts. Australia, yeah. yeah. It's like this Australian kind of thing. So like they come to this island, you know, they're convicts and they are like welcomed by this goddess to some degree, and then of course they subjugate her. Um, and then that's obviously why like the tension of the film is also predicated on the fact that she you know, they're like torturing her and she doesn't want to give them a harvest. (laughs) She doesn't want to like make the Island this wonderful place that they're going to like torture her for it. You know, when she would have given it freely, I think it's interesting because that is, that echoes into like their faith of what you're saying. It's like, these people have to come to this Island willingly and want to be there because they don't want to necessarily proselytize, you know, um, but they're still like using her against her will. It's a, you know, as, Again, they 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 have some hypocrisy issues, uh, as humans often do in their religious faiths. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is kind of a, another. I, I think that's. I think that has been a big theme in the conversation of folk horror. Is like even though we talk about like rural landscapes and like you know these kind of pastoral images and like what horror hides there or like cults or uh these sort of natural religions i also we keep finding conversations about colonization you know and about you know the destruction of the natural world or at least the attempt to subjugate it and what that the consequence of against humanity. I think if that's even, you know, another like major theme of these movies and is, I think is very present here, obviously. I mean, their goddess is basically mother nature. (laughs) I don't think it's an accident to like make her a woman that Mm -hmm. they're subjugating. And then Quinn, his whole thing is like, we gotta like impregnate all the women and like feed the babies to her. (laughs) Like that's his like idea of like running things. So again, we find in, you know, in these sorts of religions like that, the clash is often against powerful women, you know, and the power mm-hmm. of like the, of the sacred feminine. Yeah. And, and it was also like, once you, you know, towards the end of the film, when you figure out that like, oh, they basically imprisoned her in this tree. Right. Yeah. Like, it's interesting because like, that's, that's kind of like what, religion's functional purpose is to some like i mean in a very in some ways a very practical but also sort of cynical way of saying it's like the religion's functional purpose is for people to have you know words for the unexplainable or to have command over the cosmos in some way right and Mm -hmm. so in this way it's like you know they are asking people to you know give give things give their sacrifice to the goddess but at the same time it's like these men are controlling her right so they're the ones even though she's the one who is like has all the cards and it's the one who's making them all sick like the scene with the sheep i did not need to see that 
like there were there were very <laughs> there were very like there were like four moments in this in this whole film that I did not need to see. The first one being the birth of the sheep that's like all diseased. Like yeah, that was sad. Yeah, that was very sad. Did not need to see that. Um, but it was just it was so interesting. And then when you get to when you get to like this very <laughs> this very like well constructed shack of like you know dead dried out wheat that um andrea (laughs) had like all her potions and things um and then you realize that like it's making everything sick like it's not that it's inedible it's like it's actually poisoning everybody um that i thought was an interesting thing because of like you said she would have given everything freely like she would have given you know her gifts freely um but they are the ones who like it was the men who kind of perverted it and yeah i mean that's which is another thing about religion it. yeah because when yeah. they come to the island I, it's not like i mean she's the one making it inhabitable you know through mm-hmm. her whatever divine power she has like she's making mm-hmm. it a place that can live because obviously without her influence it goes to you know it, it, maybe it's not i mean yeah. maybe i don't know maybe that's not exactly clear but that's kind of how i chose to read it was like Again, it's just like the world we live in. Like the earth does not need us. You know, we need the earth. We need the natural world. So when we talk about like we're killing the earth, like no, we're making it inhospitable to us. And so, and that's their actions, their greed, their, you know, d- desire for power, particularly with, um, I feel like Malcolm isn't necessarily, Quinn is obviously the villain of this film. Like he's a very fucked up person uh, and does a lot of fucked up stuff. I think Malcolm has good intentions, but it's again, it's like Summer Isle where it's failing and he doesn't know how to fix it. Um, and letting her go for some reason, isn't like his thought <laughs> like, Hey, maybe we should, sorry, we made a mistake. We're humans you know, we're pieces of shit. Like, so let's let her go and let her be free and, and, and do what she wants. So it's kind of, it's, it's this, this film I think is a real metaphor for like, you know, this sort of climate, not climate change, but just like environmental catastrophes that are happening that again, like if we all die off because the water isn't good and we've killed all the bees and we've killed all these things and we can't, you know, we can no longer get sustenance from the natural world uh, the earth will just sit here for another million years and heal itself without us. And like it, it, that things can return to normal without humanity. I think uh, it will take time. And I feel like that's kind of one of the discussions happening in this is just that sort of uh, when, when she does the testing, the potions, it, just, it reminded me the way it bubbled up. It just, it reminded me of the conversations about the oceans becoming more acidic and, you know, the oil spills that are happening and, you know, you, you know, you just have Flint, Michigan, for instance, you know, what's still going on there all these years later. Like if that was every city in the country where, you know, what will life be like, you know, how will we sustain? God, I love fright school because <laughs> I love fright school sometimes because this is just such a, that's such, such a rich interpretation of like the film, because again, that future, you know, that future of what this, of what, you know, will happen if this climate emergency is allowed to continue is going to be a hellscape is going to be like violence. And, and so, so seeing that is, you know, that added into it. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily the intention, right. Of, you know, talking about it in this way, because it's more, it's, you know, you kind of get to the stuff with the goddess towards the end of the film. And most of it is about like this, it's the mystery of where's Jennifer, right? Where's, where's Jennifer? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, so I read this uh, article, Cthulhu doesn't hate you. (laughs) A critical analysis of Apostle, the 2018 Netflix original film directed by Gareth Evans. And it's sort of, it's kind of talking about like the, Again, like we were saying earlier, the tension in like the Wicker Man is is Christianity, is faith coming against a uh, you know a pagan belief. Uh, also, um, you know, kind of the, his uh, stoicism and their like mm-hmm. abject joy. The mm-hmm. witch again is about Christianity, but uh, 
you know, about sort of like, you know, that control of women, the domination of women. It's darker, it's colder, harsher. Uh, you know, so you kind of see that showing up here. But what I liked about this uh, article and one of the things that they they uh, are talking about mm-hmm. is that um, it kind of talks about the Eucharist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the Thanksgiving uh, idea, thank, thankfulness for Christ's sacrifice is offered. And so the Christian belief is that by partaking in this gift, a truer life than the mortal one is bestowed upon us. Uh, the bread and wine becomes flesh and blood, uh, given as supernatural nourishment. Uh, apostle treats flesh and blood similarly. The goddess can only survive when she is fed blood. The cultists bleed themselves for her. We're told that Malcolm attempted to feed her from himself. Uh, well, we actually see that too. Curiously, the goddess attempts to resist the offerings that are given to her unwillingly, the pulped corpses of the murdered. I, I guess that they're interpreting that like at the end where they're kind of force feeding her and she's like choking and trying to get him to help, trying to get Thomas to help release her. So uh, the core tension of the film is not between paganism and Christianity, but rather between Eucharistic self-offering and mechanistic consumption. Uh, the true antagonist, Malcolm's brother, Quinn, tells us that he was the one that thought to imprison the goddess. He calls her a machine. The food he gives her is simply fuel, and the life of the island is just a product of the machine's operations. Uh, This attitude, the mechanistic attitude that nature is just a resource to be plundered, is contrasted with the Eucharistic attitude. Food and nature are more than fuel and resource. When approached reverently, they're they're a uh, self-offering of themselves. They are gifts. So Thomas, in the film's conclusion, rediscovers his faith in the act of total self-giving, sacrifices himself uh, so that, you know, the girls can escape the dying island. Uh, But then, you know, at the end, he's sort of Christ-like there in the grass, becomes sort of a new guardian of the place, I'm guessing, as the leaves and things invaded him. I don't know if that's like Mm -hmm. the spirit of the goddess or whatnot. But I thought that was an interesting reading that I think kind of goes back again to that, the conversation in like, uh, natural religions of like the world, the earth is here. It gives of itself and eventually we return to it. We give ourselves back to replenish and that there's that relationship. And if it's harmed as is clearly happening uh, in, in the world we live in now and has been happening, you know, over the hundred, 200 years of industrialization uh, you know, this it's like breaking that relationship making it impossible for both to endure. <laughs> we both, what is it? We, we cannot both like live in the, like this way. <laughs> it's like the toxicity. Like, I don't know. What am I trying to say? Like one, are you saying one does not live on bread alone, but on <laughs> I don't every know word. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was like, that's scripture. I don't know if you're quoting that, but Yeah. But yeah, Thomas at the end where he, you know, he basically becomes the new guardian or he, cause you, cause I, I, I don't know if you saw, but he was starting to heal. Like his wounds were healing and he was like, yeah. And the grass and stuff was like kind of growing. His eyes changed to look kind of like hers, that same color. Mm-hmm, Francis Conroy. Like it was just very, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I say that with the utmost reverence for no, dear course. Francis Conroy. Um, yeah. I actually thought it was her. I thought that I thought that the goddess was her, um, goddess, guardian, whatever she is. Um, it, yeah, it was just so fascinating. And then, like the stuff with Jeremy, like his death is particularly cruel and gruesome. Oh yeah, um, because he's he's simple. Like I mean, I think in that moment he is the fool, right? He's the one who yeah. he is the fool. Um, and I didn't realize it until Quinn like caught her, um, or like confronted her, uh, Fion, but like, yeah, if she has a child, it's going to be like that sheep, right? Like quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, we don't know, but that is, I think hinted at. Yeah. And, and then just like, the denial of it. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And then I, and I kept trying to figure out where do I know this guy from? Where do I know this guy from? And I'm like, Oh, because he's, he's Prince Charles's Welsh tutor. <laughs> oh, wow. 
um, in in the crown. In the crown. Uh, in the crown, which makes sense because he, um, Michael Sheen, you know, is is Welsh himself, and uh, he is very much like he does him and uh, Matthew Reese. They they do love to support their fellow Welsh countrymen, so it made <laughs> com- it made complete sense when they were like talking and stuff. I'm like, oh, I love this Welsh accent. There's a certain cruelty and harshness <laughs> and harshness in it. But yeah, like exactly what you said though about Thomas at the end becoming Christ-like himself. Um, and then I don't, and, and this is just some scripture, uh, some, um, you know, scriptural uh, texture, take it for what you will. Don't know if this was the intention, but um, Thomas uh, called Didymus in the Bible um, also known as Doubting Thomas, he was the one who was like, you know, I, I don't believe that Jesus came to you guys. I'm only going to believe him if, like, I can actually see his wounds and put my finger in the hole. And then Jesus came to him and was just like, "Hey, like, I'm here. What the heck? Like, <laughs> they told you. Why didn't you believe?" And so to kind of hear him as, you know, Thomas being this doubting figure of you know having his faith like leave him in the beginning and then ultimately to be embraced by like the natural religion right the true um and he himself become a god um or become the guardian of the island is very interesting yeah yeah that's yeah that's great i had not really even considered sort of like that biblical uh, obviously, you know, his Christianity and his like lack of faith or, or his um, loss of faith is mm-hmm. important to his character. But that's a really good point. You know, Joe, bringing that, bringing that, uh, uh, that Catholic catechism. school girl. Yeah. You know, bring that catechism. catechism right in. <laughs> uh, overall, I, I also enjoy this movie. I think it's, um, I think when looking at the ancestors of, the wicker man and blood on Satan's claw and Witchfinder general. And, you know, those films that are sort of, you know, again, considered those defining uh, moments in, in folk horror. I think looking at this, we have uh, um, apostle stands very much firmly in that tradition, uh, sort of darker, you know, and kind of where the witch goes. Mm-hmm. Midsommar is sort of the other side of that more joyful, side of of it yeah because they both came out around the same time right this was 2018 was it midsummer 2018 yeah midsummer was i believe 2018 2018 or 2019 somewhere or kind of in the same in the same vein so it's interesting we're still kind of having these conversations and like yeah there's two very clear kind of paths uh Mm -hmm. at least currently between i mean not, not to say that they don't blur obviously there are there are darker um moments certainly in midsummer but um uh, you know, I, I think Apostle stands as sort of, you know, an interesting, uh, very dark, bloody, gory, but uh, has kind of a profound, has something profound to say in the end. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, this was the second time I had watched it because uh, I did see it when it first came out. Everybody was like talking about it, of course, uh, but it kind of fit perfectly in with uh, with what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. So super yeah. fun! Yay. It sure did. Uh, ultimately, I'm I ultimately I'm glad that I watched it, but yeah. I still like it, it. It shook me in places that I was not expecting, and I think because I think for me what was so unnerving about it was that I thought it was going to be one thing, and it was com- something completely different, and I can't like uh, like. I'm still shaken by that. So that's awesome. I love that. (laughs) I love this, that you had that kind of experience. So, um, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, next week. We'll sort of be wrapping this up. I mean, we're going to do one, uh, you know, our Halloween special is also, I Mm -hmm. think considered, uh, I'm considering a part of folk horror legend, just again, in sort of a different way. Um, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. That'll be our five-year anniversary special as well. Dear listener, can you believe it? You've been listening to us yak away for five years. Five whole years. Uh, I look forward to just celebrating with you and looking back on, uh, you know, the last five years, what we've what we've done, what we've accomplished, how, uh, how much we've horrified you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, all righty. Well, 
What's that? Should we get each other gifts? Horror gifts? No. The gift of our each other's company? <laughs> <laughs> right. This is the gift. What are you talking about? I am the yeah. gift. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll win you some kind of goofy prize at Not Scary Farm. and then I would love that. You know what you could do? I could give you a receptacle and a piece of bread, and you could just bleed into it. How about yeah, that? That's great. It's a, it's a, I mean, that is a gift. That is like a sacrificial gift from, from me yeah. that I made to you. Yeah. Delightful. All right, that was Apostle. So we will be back next week and, uh, you know, keeping spooky season trucking. Ah, so much fun. Good night, Joe. Good night, Joshua. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davey Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. Geekscape Network.